ಓಂ ಜ್ಞಾನಧಿಮರನ್ನಸಾಜ್ಞಾನಂಜನಾಶಲಾಖಾಯ ಚಕ್ಷೂರುನ್ಮಿಧೇನಾಸ್ಮೈಶ್ರೀಗುರುವೇ ನಮ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಗುಡ್ ಮಾರ್ನಿಂಗ್ ಐಮ್ ವೆರಿ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿ ಬಿ ಹಿಯರ್ ಮೈ ವೈಫ್ ಅನ್ ಐ ಆರ್ ಟ್ರಾವೆಲಿಂಗ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಫೈನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಟು ಬಿ ದ ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ agreeable place on the planet. Your kirtans here are legendary and the services that you're rendering. It's a great empire of, of Sankirtan here in the UK. So grateful for the expert leadership here and all the devotees who are giving their heart and soul to practice bhakti and spread it all over the world. We're so very grateful to be with you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. reading from the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhya Leela chapter 9 which is Lord Chaitanya's travels to the holy places and today's verses are 45 and 46 I'm sorry 145 and 146 Tumi je padila shlok e hai praman she shloke aishe krishna swayam bhagavan You have recited the shloka beginning with siddhantantas tvabhedhepi that very verse is evidence that krishna is the supreme personality of godhead so so it's happening in this this section of the bhagavatam is shri chaitanya mahaprabhu as he's traveling throughout south india is meeting with various types of devotees and now he's met a really great devotee venkatabata he's staying in his home and there they're having that is uh, chaitanya mahaprabhu and venkatabata a very uh, friendly conversation in fact it's mentioned a couple of times in this dialogue that chaitanya mahaprabhu was speaking in a somewhat humorous mode which is indicative of the meaning of this these two verses and that is that the discussion is going on as to the preference of a particular worshiper of the supreme personality of god and it's not such a dire matter that one would become polemic about it and demand a particular position because as we know from chaitanya mahaprabhu's leela even anupam who's the brother of rupan sanatan had been requested or i should say in the active voice that chaitanya mahaprabhu had requested him to chant the krishna mantra and take initiation into their line into chaitanya mahaprabhu's line and he did try and he cried all that long and the next morning he said i've given my head at the feet of raghunath and i cannot take it back and chaitanya mahaprabhu was delighted same with murari gupta who said you are hanuman because of his devout devotion to shri ramchandra So in speaking to Venkatabhata who is solidly devoted to Lakshmi Narayan Mahaprabhu is giving his evidence but in a mild way presenting the facts uh, of rasa which sounds contradictory because there's tattva and rasa and he's talking about the the truth of rasa which is especially uh, has been especially curated by 
the Goswamis of Vrindavan and presented for our consideration on the path of bhakti. Nana Shastra Vichara Naikandipano said Dharma Samstapako. If they had not brought out the torchlight which lights up the path to uh, Mahabhava, which is also Radhabhava, not to become esoteric so soon, but the point is that we do have an ultimate goal without it. As Prabhupada writes in the Bhagavad Gita, for lack of an ultimate goal, the mind becomes disturbed. So this is the context of the conversation and Mahaprabhu has referred to a verse, which we'll now hear in the next verse, which is the full verse that he's just quoted. It's from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. It's a popular verse. It's a well-known verse, and we'll see why in just a moment. Siddhantatas tvabede pi. Shrisha Krishna Swarupayo Rasenot Kritsyate Krishyate Krishna Rupam Esha Rasastata Siddhantata In reality Two But Abhete, no difference. Api, although Sri Isha, the husband of Lakshmi, comma Narayan, Krishna, of Lord Krishna, Swarupayo, between the forms, Vasena. By transcendental mellows, Utkrishyate is superior. Krishna Rupa, the form of Lord Krishna, Esha, this Rasastitaha, Rasastitihi, the reservoir of pleasure. Translation According to transcendental realization, there is no difference between the forms of Krishna and Narayan. Yet, in Krishna, there is a special transcendental attraction due to the conjugal mellow, and consequently, he surpasses Narayan. This is the conclusion of transcendental mellows. Uh, purport by Srila Prabhupada. This is a verse from the Pakthira Samrita Sindhu, 1.259. Here, Srila Krishna's Kaviraj says, that Lord Chaitanya spoke the verse to Venkata Bhatta. And earlier he said that Venkata Bhatta spoke it to the Lord. But since their conversation took place long, long before the Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu was composed, the question may be raised as to how either of them quoted the verse. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains that this verse and many others like it were current among devotees long before the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu was composed. Thus devotees would always quote them and explain their purport in ecstasy. Om Jnana Timiram Nisya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshuram Madhatamnena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha So at a cricket match, now I have your attention, <laughs> When someone hits a sixer, did I say it right? Mm -hmm. 
and I don't know how it works or anything about cricket except for that. But I'm imagining that the crowd goes wild, especially if it's a championship that matters. Right? Yeah. And that's the last bowl of the game, and then he hits it over the fence. I'm trying here. Work with me. <laughs> There's two considerations when the ball goes over the fence. Is it called a ball? <laughs> One is, there may be a scientific presentation. How fast was it going? At what angle did it go over the fence? And we may analyze it. And somebody might actually do that these days. Um, but there's another aspect to it, and that is the feeling everyone in the crowd has that the ball just cleared the fence. And that means we won. And there's a kind of instant reaction. There's no uh, calculation. Wait a minute, how fast did it go? What angle is that? How many times has it gone at that angle in previous uh, games and so forth? There's a spontaneous way in which the people jump up and they just suddenly feel complete bliss. And the fact that uh, we won and that their hero has hit the ball over the fence and it's inconceivable how this happened in the last second and so forth. So comparing the, our analysis uh, or the way that our acharyas and the shastra looks at Krishna's pastimes, we can see these two aspects. One is tattva. What category of energy is it in? Vadanti tattva vidas tattvam yajjnanam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdhyate. And of course, going back in an even more rudimentary way in the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that the twainos tattva darshibi, the sages who can see tattva, they know that there's a difference between that which exists, that which is always there, and that which is transforming itself constantly, the bhava, the material world, it's always becoming something else. And they distinguish between the two. And of course, Krishna gives the distinction in the seventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita when he mentions the material elements, bhumir apo, analo vayu kammano buriyevacha, so there's earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. And he says, Besides these, there's another category. And tat means that. It's the same word in English. You just add H. It's a demonstrative pronoun, it's something you're able to point to and say that this exists. Nasate, nasate vidite bhavo nabhavo vidite sata. Some things you can point to and they say these things are permanent, these things are transforming themselves constantly. There are two different things, this and that. So tattva then becomes a sense of identifying categories of energy and we call truths, tattvas, truths. They, this is a irreducible principle that we can point to. So when the Bhagavatam begins, or when Sudha Goswami begins to speak about tattva, he gives this general way of understanding that there are categories of energy. 
Vedanti tattva vidas, tattvam yajnam advayam, brahmeti, paramatmeti, bhagavaniti, shavyate. There's three features of Brahman, of the Supreme. And they start with, actually, they start with Bhagavan. And as Bhagavan suppresses his uh, various uh, shaktis, and we come down to uh, Brahman. And as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Brahmano hi pratishtaham amritasya vyasacha, shashvatasya tatarmasya, sukasya ikantikasya. He makes clear throughout the Bhagavad Gita that the various, his various features all emanate from him. He's the source. So then we have uh, the categories of uh, the material and spiritual worlds, like in the Vishnu Purana, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quoted to Sanatana Goswami, Vishnu Shakti Paraprokta, Shetra Gyakya Tatapara, Avidya Karma Sangyangya, Tritya Shakti Rishite. So there's three major categories that we can look at, three tattvas. There's the spiritual world, the internal potency, then there's the external world, which is full of karmic activities, and then there's the marginal potency, the jiva. So breaking it down into various categories of energy. And in the discussion here, we find that there's this statement that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brings up in the conversation with Venkatabhata. He's showing that actually the ultimate object of our meditation is Krishna. And this is the conclusion of our Sampradaya also. And we find that all of the teachings of our Acharyas are going towards proving this point. For instance, starting with the most important verse, Ete Chamsha Kalapunsa, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, Indrari Vyakalam Lokam, Mridayanti Yuge Yuge. This becomes the centerpiece. And then from there, everything else is being discussed around this principle that Krishna is the Supreme Absolute Truth. So that's the nature of the conversation between Venkatabhata and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is to discern where I should ultimately put my attention. Because the Bhagavatam is saying, Tasmat ekena manasa bhagavan sattvatam pati shrotavya kirtitavyasya deyam pujas chanityada. One should, therefore, he's saying tasmat, because he's describing the nature of the Absolute Truth and our relationship with Him. And their ultimate good in life is to give our full attention to the Lord. So he says, therefore, tasmat ekena manasa, our mind should be one pointed. We should know where we're looking. After all, <clears throat> jivas in the material world are wandering, and that means they're aimless. They don't know where to put their attention, and they are offered various uh, objects to meditate upon. You can just drive down any street and find that everyone's advertising. Look over here, take this, buy that. And there are many suggestions in human society. There's thousands and thousands of ways Shukadeva Goswami says people are saying, yeah, look at this, look at that, here's where you should meditate. But once and for all, the sages at Naimasharaniya have come together to say, okay, where do we place our attention? What is the ultimate object where we can put our hearts, where we can give our hearts? 
And of course, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vyavasayatmika Bhudir Ekeha Kurunandana, Bahushaka Hyanantascha Bhudayo Vyavasayinam. If you don't have that, then as Alice in Wonderland, I think it was the cat, said, that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. Just help yourself. And those who are clear about tattva and rasa, they have full empowerment to give their heart and soul to Krishna. So now um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has quoted this verse, and it's from, from it's now in, it's included, although it's a verse from antiquity that's been mentioned and discussed by uh, devotees for a very long time. He gives the quotation here from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. According to transcendental realization, there is no difference between the forms of Krishna and Narayan. Yet in Krishna, there is a special transcendental attraction due to the conjugal mellows. So the words in this uh, verse that we can discuss amongst ourselves, uh, Siddhantata, Siddhantataha in reality, or Siddhanta. This is what uh, they're discussing. Uh, this uh, word Siddhanta means to understand very precisely what something is. Not just what it is, but also what it isn't. You have to come to a very clear point so you can focus your attention. And this is mentioned by Kaviraj Goswami in the second chapter of the Adi Lila of Sri Chaitanya Charnamrita, in which he's discussing the verse, Eti Chamsha Kalapunsam, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. And then he says, what all of you know, people say, yeah, but what about Narayan? He's got four hands. He's got more stuff. Krishna just has a flute. So what, what's with that? Because there are different ways of explaining it. But first of all, uh, Kaviraj Goswami does what any ex expert debater does. and what, That is first honor the objection. When someone says, like, I already have this book. You say, yeah, I know. That's, I mean, we could tell by looking at you. That's why we picked you out of the crowd. Uh, <laughs> and he says to everyone who's making these arguments, well, what about Vamadev? What about Narayan? Uh, uh, he says, yeah, okay, fine. It's all true, what you say. Because uh, in tattva, they're all, they're all the same. There's no doubt about that. Brahma himself says that it's just like one candle. It's the original, no doubt, but it lights all the other candles. It's the same in their potency. They all have, they're all Vishnu Tattva. They're all in one category of energy. The big mistake that Krishna warns against in the Bhagavad Gita and throughout Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings and certainly Prabhupada's teachings all the way down to the present day is not making the category mistake that Oh, Krishna and the Devas are all the same. This is mentioned in the Padma Purana, Yastu Narayanam Devam, Brahma Rudradi Daivatai, Samat Venaiva Viksheta, Tatpashandi Parobhavet. Don't make this mistake that you think the Devas and Krishna are the same, because then you become uh, fallen and you're called a Pashandi, which is, uh, I don't know the exact translation, but it's not good. <laughs> so. Huh? Debauchi? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> that isn't good either. So, 
this, uh, this is very clear throughout the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is talking about if, if you don't know this principle, javantite, uh, then you fall down. Fall down from the position. But if you come to the p- point of understanding, yes, there's Vishnu Tattva. Now uh, you've understood the difference between devas and now there's Vishnu Tattva. There's the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is above all. You, even uh, Shiva will say it, Aradhananam Sarvesham Vishnu Aradhanam Param Tasmat Paratanam Devi. Tadhyanam Samashara. That the, when asked, uh, what's the best kind of worship? And Lord Shiva will say, Aradhananam Sarvesham. He says the best is uh, Vishnu, uh, worship of Vishnu. And the Brahma, of course, there's no doubt about it, and the Srimad Bhagavatam, it's all for, the, for everyone to read. I don't know the Tattvavadis uh, don't like to talk about it too much, the mistake Brahma makes in trying to bewilder Krishna because he's the head of our Sampradaya. But we like it. It's beautiful. And in that section, uh, Brahma admits that finally after trying to uh, show his mystic power to Krishna, and then Krishna shows his back, and Brahma feels like a little glowworm, then he admits uh, in his prayers, in the very important chapter for all Gaudiya Vaishnavas, in the 10th canto, 14th chapter, that no, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and only by uh, worshipping him can uh, one give one's attention properly to the highest object. And then, of course, Krishna himself says in the Bhagavad Gita, does everyone have enough fare? Can we get more oxygen, or is it as maxed out as we can? Is there cross-ventilation possible, or do we already have it? Or maybe I should slow down a little bit. So you have Brahma, you have Shiva uh, saying, uh, Krishna's God, and then you have Krishna saying, yeah, no, yeah, I'm God. So uh, we all have all these points of reference. So when one comes to this clear idea of Vishnu Tattva, then there's some room for discussion about rasa. And this, yeah, that's much better, thank you. And this is uh, the part of the cricket game where there's uh, the natural feeling that living entities have for Krishna. And of course, starting with Krishna's statement in the Bhagavad Gita, yeyata mam prapadyate tanstadaiva bhajamyaham mam avartmanuvartanta manusha partasarusha. There's a sense that he opens up this conversation about our relationship. And he says that as one approaches him, the mood that he approach, that such a, the, a living entity approaches Krishna, and after all, that's the constitutional position of the living entity is to relate with Krishna in a particular way, then I reciprocate accordingly. And in the, in the Adi Leela of the Chaitanya Charamita, in the uh, fourth chapter, 34th verse. Uh, the second to last paragraph, Prabhupada talks about the appreciating capacity of every living entity. And he said that in the lower forms of life, when consciousness is covered, 
Uh, plants, for instance, they have a relationship with Krishna. They grow towards the light. And Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I am, I am that sun, sunlight. And there's a sense of, of other living entities who are uh, have contracted consciousness. They have a sense of anamoy, that they're eating food and they're being maintained. They don't have a sense of causality who's giving it to them. For instance, once I got a bird feeder from my father and I put it up and I put niger seeds in it to attract the finches. And I noticed how they were out there having a little festival every day. They had no idea who was paying for it. <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, that's most of us here in the material world. Christian's filling up the bird feeder and I was, chirp, chirp. No thanks to anybody. So when one's in that uh, Contracted consciousness, there's no sense of causality, therefore there's no sense of gratitude for someone, although a dog may have gratitude towards its master who's feeding it, so that's an moy. And then there's a philosophical way in which living entities, come, when they come to the human form of life, there's budding consciousness where we have potential, and one may then inquire about the absolute truth, and then blossoming consciousness. When one comes to this full realization that, oh, Krishna is the supreme. Bahunam janmanamante gyanavam mam prapadyate vasudeva sarvamiti. Yeah, this is the pinnacle of appreciation when one comes to see, oh, Vasudeva is everything. He's uh, the source of everything. He's maintaining me. But to speak of the fact that I have a relationship with him. This is the development, Prabhupada says, of the appreciating capacity through the various species of life. And then when we come to the human form, there's a way in which through the process of yoga, we're meant to develop our appreciation more and more for the, our relationship with Krishna. And it's the refinement of that relationship that we're working on in the process of bhakti yoga. So in that calculation, of rasa. Now, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is making the main point, which is that the uh, rasas, the, we can look at it, it's an aesthetic, but we can look and, and see what is the, the most perfect aesthetic, what is the most perfect kind of relationship with Krishna. And this is really what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to teach as uh, mentioned in the Sri Chaitanya Charamrita, Anarpita Charim Chirat Karana Yivatirna Kalao Rasam You hear that word rasa. He's talking about the relationship that we have with Krishna. Hari Purata Sundara Dyuti Kadamba Sandhikuta Sadahariya Kandari Spiritubasa Chinandana. And he introduces the idea of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's Krishna himself, who's Krishna coming after a long time or after, oh, he's never done this before. Some say it in different ways. Simply to give mercy in the age of Kali Yuga. And what is it? To explain the highest uh, way to meditate on Krishna. The Utrula Ras, the, the point in which the soul is in the most full-blown condition of reciprocation or offering service to Krishna. A loving service to Krishna. So this is the, the point of our sampradaya, coming to this point of understanding this rasa. And throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam, we get hints 
that uh, the pointing to this ultimate rasa with, with Krishna. So, um, a, a kind of parallel verse to Yeyatamam Prapadnyante that uh, Shukadeva Goswami gives in the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam in the story of Agasura. He says, Itam Sutam Brahma Sukhana Bhutya Dasam Gatanam Paradaivatena Mayashitanam Naradarakena Sakam Vrijaru Krita Punya Punja. He's noting the fact that there's this. Uh, uh, relationship that living entities have, and according to their appreciating capacity, they see Krishna in different ways, or rather, he reveals himself to them in various ways. So, itam satam brahma sukhana bhutya. There are some who are absorbed in uh, Brahman, the uh, non differentiated of a form of Krishna, and they consider this supreme. Then he says um, that. There are others who worship Krishna with a sense of majesty in the Haridam, which is just below Golokadam, right? Is that correct? Say yes. yes. <laughs> it's correct. Golokanami nijadamni taletu tasadevi mahesha haridam suteshu teshu te te prabhava nijaya vihitascha yena. Govindamari Purusham Tamahamajami. Lowest of all is located. Let's check where we are. Lowest of all is located. Devi Dham. If you don't believe you're in Devi Dham, just go on Sankirtan today and check it out. Above Devi Dham is Mahesh Dham, the abode of Mahesh. Above Mahesh Dham is Hari Dham, the abode of Hari. And above Hari Dham is Goloka, Vrindavan. So there are graded realms, and the highest is uh, Goloka Vrindavan. And throughout the uh, teachings of, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, we find these ways of giving the gradations of re relationships that one has. So then he says that Mayashitanam, Naradarakena, those who are absorbed in Devidam, the material world, they just think Krishna is an ordinary person. But those who have received the benefit of bhakti sukriti association with pure devotees, or they've accumulated, as Prabhupada says, heaps and heaps of pious activities, then now they're playing with Krishna as a friend in Goloka Vrindavan and wrestling with him and so forth. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says that I've come to teach this, understanding this relationship with Krishna that is unfettered by on reverence, uh, the rules and regulations that are seen in uh, Haridam, where everyone's like this, and offering uh, worship to the Lord, Purusha Sukta, and so forth. And we know when Gopa Kumar came there to Haridam uh, in his journey back home, back to Godhead, it was a circuitous route he took going to all the different realms. And there, when he saw Narayan, he saw, because of his devotion, the form of Gopal. And as everyone else was standing in the proper place, properly distanced, and standing with their hands pressed like this, and saying, then uh, Gopal Kumar said, Hey, Gopal! <laughs> And everyone said, who is this guy? How did he get in here? 
But Krish, but Narayan, when recognizing the devotion of his of his uh, pure devotee from Vrindavan, he couldn't keep his four arms. He kept in his relationship with this new person who showed up in in Haridam, He kept reverting back to two arms and so forth. And uh, there's oops, uh, <laughs> which is also later on what Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quotes for the pastime of. The gopis searching for Krishna in Vrindavan. Hey, Rod, hey, Vrajadevaki, Lalite. There, you know, Goswamis were saying that the, this is going on in Vrindavan. Everyone's searching, where did he go? Where is he now? And as they came looking for him, they came across Narayan because it was Krishna hiding from the gopis. He just manifested in his form, forearm formed as Narayan. And so when Krishna. Uh, when the gopis came upon Narayan, they just offered obeisances. And they said, pardon me, sir, do you know where Krishna is? Have you seen him come this way? And they kept going. But when Srimati Radharani came near, and Krishna lost his ability to hide in that forearm form because of the power of her love. So this is one of the points here, is that there is a way in which Krishna presents himself or reciprocates with the devotees according to their love, and uh, I should get to the more proof or the f- a final point, then we can discuss it more. And that is that the Bhagavatam points to the Ujjvala rasa, or this rasa spe- specifically of Srimati Radharani with uh, Krishna as being the supreme. So uh, people from other sampradayas may say, and all the Vaishnava sampradayas accept Bhagavatam, but they say, where's Srimati Radharani? But it is mentioned in the story of the rasa dance, that there is one particular uh, devotee who is rendering the best of service. It's un, uh, undeniable there. So this is pointing at least to one devotee, and this is considered she's in the highest position, and in the highest position according to her relationship with Krishna, or the way she wants to worship Krishna. And this is uh, what... Krishna also wanted to show to the world. We say Lord Chaitanya wanted it. Lord Krishna wanted it also when he spoke to Uddhava. And we have the whole Uddhava Gita when, when he's teaching him about this. He also sent Uddhava to Vrindavan. And our Acharyas explain that, it, yeah, he was bringing a note uh, to explain to the gopis what, what he was, how he was thinking of them and when he would see them again and so forth. But the real purpose was to show Uddhava what the nature of the devotion of the, the gopis of Vrindavan was. And during that period, when he visited Vrindavan, the pastime of the bee and Radharani's Mahabhava, when she apparently loses her mind and starts talking to a bee, is the pinnacle of that rasa that she has with Krishna, according to our acharyas. So, we have this way in which the tattva is clearly demarcated uh, in the Shastra, pointing to Vishnu as the supreme. And then we have through rasa, why is Krishna the supreme? Because of his, the highest uh, ascetic level of love that he reciprocates with his devotees. After all, that's what Krishna means. Krishna in Vrindavan means this unceremonious love, lawless love that he has with his devotees. 
and it's only exhibited there in Vrindavan, and that's the stage for it all to unfold. We know that because also in Kurukshetra, when the gopis came there, they weren't satisfied with seeing Krishna in his royal dress. And when he said, or intimated that, why don't you just come to Dwarka? We can be together. They said, no, not like that. We want to see you in Vrindavan. Because that's the place where spontaneous love in its highest manifestation takes place. So these are a few preliminary remarks, and I understand we have all morning, so we'll take a few reflections or questions to expand the conversation. Yes, Mara. consciousness and we don't understand causality, then we won't have gratitude. And I thought that was an amazing uh, connection. And I was thinking about how even after coming to Krishna consciousness and in, in some sense trying to aim towards blossoming consciousness, we have this contracted kind of miserliness of not being grateful for where we are and how we reach here. And that miserliness and contracted consciousness is kind of reflected in this lack of gratitude and yes. Yeah, such practical points you're making. Thank you. There's a way in which gratitude, if we trace it out, has to be for a person. There's no gratitude for the universe, although people say that, and Krishna accounts for that in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. He said, people think of me in this way, that, oh, he's the universe. Where'd you get the new car? It just came from the universe. <laughs> Thank you, universe. But if we consider gratitude as the precursor to uh, bhakti and love of God, if we can do so uh, by looking into a scenario. If somebody drops $100 and they don't know they dropped it, how much time do I have? Wow. <laughs> if they drop 100 pounds, I'm very sorry I said dollars. So they drop 100 pounds and they don't know they dropped it and I go over and pick it up and just walk away, I can't have gratitude for that person. Legitimately. However, let's say we slight nuance. They drop a hundred dollars, pounds. I pick it up and I tap them on the shoulder. Say you drop this, and they say, "Well, I'll give you half." Then there was an intention behind it. There was a conscious recognition, and therefore an intention. And 
in the first scenario, it's not possible to have gratitude because there was no intention behind it. I'm just a thief, basically. I, I did something unethical. I walked away with somebody else's property, knowing full well who it belonged to. Sounds like Sri Shapanishai. Sargam. And, and however, uh, when there is a conscious acknowledgement that you're giving me something, it's coming from someone, then there's this sense of, of gratitude. So before there's a sense of being um, provided for, being even loved by the Supreme, and that that means there's intention. And intentionality can only come from a person. So this opens up the doorway to a more and more loving relationship with the Supreme. And the second point you made is also, it, it was just such an, uh, a nice a way you move to the next point, that even when we take to bhakti understanding uh, that there are these gradations of loving relationship with Krishna, if we try to claim a, a position higher than we have now and become uh, even um, indignant of a lower position, uh, this also is... Not, does not sit well in, in devotional society. For instance, in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna tells Uddhava, be yourself. Be where, where you are in bhakti, and this is a good quality. That he says that when you understand your position in bhakti, and you're happy with it, you're okay with it. And you don't try to claim a higher position, you just say, this is where I am, this is my adhikari, and I'm satisfied that I have any adhikari at all. Then there's a way in which we feel, uh, that the Krishna says, this is a good quality. Then he says that the opposite is that if you try to, if you become impatient, and you try to claim an adhikari that's above your position, he said, this is dosha, a, a fault. So we, we can benefit by being satisfied with the fact that we have some standing in devotional service at all with a little bit, a small dose of dissatisfaction that I should be doing better. Does that make sense? I'll quote a verse. In the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna says, Jata Shrada Makkatasu Nirvina Sarvakarmasu Veda Dukat Makankamam Pritya Kanishvara Tatoba Jeta Mamprita Shrada Lord Druda Nishchaya Jushamanams Tatamkamams Dukho Darkams Jagaryam. He acknowledges that there is a way in which when I come to bhakti, I have awakened my faith in hearing. And I also know that all sense gratification leads to misery. And uh, at the same time, pranishvara means I don't have the power to stop doing what I'm doing here in the material world. Not completely. I'm still involved. And uh, that can be really discouraging. I can even become disgusted with myself so much that as you say, I might as well not do anything. Have you ever seen that? I've seen it. But devotees say, well, I'm not chanting because I'm so fallen. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did we miss here? Well, Krishna says, 
if you're in this situation where you know what you should be doing and you have full faith in it, but you just can't do it, you don't have the power to do it yet. He said, don't worry. Keep doing what you can and continue and be satisfied. But Garyan, have a small dose of dissatisfaction, just enough to motivate you to keep going and not so much that you'll become discouraged and want to give up the path of bhakti. And also, there are so many uh, teachings about how unseemly it is to claim a higher position in devotional service and to be indignant about the lower positions. Even the great devotees, or especially the great devotees, don't do that. When Narda was investigating who's gotten the most mercy from Krishna and he starts interviewing people, one after another, they all point to somebody else. No, no, he's more advanced, she's more advanced. And as it goes up the chain and it finally comes to, as our Sampradaya is pointing to, the gopis of Vrindavan as the pinnacle of all devotional service, then they say, it's not us, it's everybody else. That's, that's the mood in which one is, uh, proves one's actual um, correct attitude in worshiping Krishna. Thanks, Maharaj. Yes, Prabhu. Here comes the mic. You got to turn it on. Sorry. Things will always be a little <coughs> complicated. Do you find any complications in your life? I'm taking that as a yes. <laughs> it's always like that. When we're dealing with other human humans, there's complications. And Prabhupada encouraged tolerance amidst the inevitable conflict that takes place between individual living entities who all are a stamp of the Supreme and therefore have a sense of independence and being Ishwaras in their own right and our way of cooperating together. In fact, he, he made uh, cooperation and bhakti synonymous. He would say that this cooperation is divine. It is 
what we're doing, we're cooperating with Krishna. It means cooperating with Krishna's devotees. Oftentimes, when devotees talk about the onerous nature of cooperation, um, I mention that as Goshtiyanandis. Everyone know what that means? Goshtiyanandi? It means those who take the austerity to live together in society for the benefit of, the, of people in society, people and all living entities. Whereas some yogis, as Prahlad Maharaj points out, go to secluded places and they perform severe austerities there, he says. One of them is sitting in cold water in the dead of winter and another is not listening to these... Uh, Blowers, that's my austerity. <laughs> but the other one is sitting in hot fire in the summertime. Our austerity of living amidst others is more difficult. And the, the ability to tolerate that based on the principle of cooperation requires maturity. One has to develop a sense of going in the right direction, but being able to accommodate other people's moods and methods to some degree. I mean, you have to create safe space where there is a mood and method that's accepted and others aren't invited to come and violate that. But we also have to be open to the fact, just as Kaviraj Goswami is when he's speaking about the different ways that people worship Krishna. He could have said, no, there is no other way, and all the other people are going to hell. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> I'll say it again. There is no other way, and everyone else is going to hell. Have you ever heard that before? Yes. It's, made, it's made it here to, uh, to UK, right? That mantra? <laughs> it maybe even made it to uh, our inner circle in ISKCON. It's like, there is no other way, and you're all going to hell. Uh, that's a level in the spectrum, I should go this way, which is more towards uh, the Kanishta Adhikari, who becomes so calcified in his position to, to protect the, the weak faith that he has, that he thinks, if I entertain anybody else's idea or position or way of looking at things, then I may lose mine, I may lose myself. That's called weak faith. But if someone becomes stronger in their own conviction and understanding, they have some nishta, they can stand on their own two feet. They're freer to understand and explore the way other people might see things and therefore not be so disturbed by differences of opinion. So Prabhupada, is everyone okay? Or is this great torture for you? Yes. Try to be more entertaining. <laughs> Prabhupada wrote a letter when somebody had complained that the devotees are arguing amongst themselves and how is this spiritual, this is not spiritual, and Prabhupada wrote back indicating that you don't know what spiritual means. He said, you're trending towards being a mayavadi, he said. Mayavadi means there are no differences of opinion or arguments. Whereas, he said, in the spiritual world, there are uh, all kinds of anomalies and differences of opinion because we're all individuals. And he gave the example that in the spiritual world, sometimes out of bewilderment, after seeing Sri Radharani, Krishna will 
accidentally milk a bull instead of a cow. <laughs> and he said sometimes the, the gopis, when leaving their house in the haste of wanting to see Krishna and meet him in the forest, they'll put all their garments on wrong. Have you ever done that before and not noticed until later? Someone said, hey, what are you doing? Uh, they didn't notice that. And Prabhupada said, oh, you could find fault with that also. So there, there are ways in which to accommodate the, the various differences amongst devotees to a point. We have to also shrutishmiti paranadi panchratriki vidambina vidambina aikantiki there is a way in which we have to back up what we're saying by Shastra, and it has to be aligned with the Shruti Smriti and Pantra Chitkiviri, otherwise it causes a disturbance to the assembly of devotees. How about another reflection? Anything you heard so far that you want to report or a question? Yes, Prabhu? A question? Good. You get 1.5 points for questions. 1.25 for reflection. But it's got to be a good question. And we give 100 pounds for a bad question. Thank you. I was really interested in um, understanding how is it that the gopis and like, personal associates of Krishna don't see Krishna as God all the time? Like, Is it that they're so absorbed in, in the real person, personality? Um, because I was thinking, like, how can one have a personal relationship with Krishna whilst knowing that he's God? He's like this overwhelming power. Um, I'm imagining something similar to like Arjuna seeing the universal form. He's completely overwhelmed. Like, how can I have a relationship with this? And then obviously, ultimately, asks, or eventually, asks Krishna to return to his friend uh, form that he can have a relationship with. But still, knowing at least um, that this is still God. This is someone huge, you know, infinite. How do I understand that? We can, we can understand, I think, these ideas in relationship to our own relationships. When we have relationships with close friends, for instance, if you have a really close friend, anybody here have one? Not too many? Okay. If you have a really close relationship with someone, you may notice that it's fun to cut each other down. You might say, oh, you don't know anything. Like, yeah, you don't know anything either. And then you start laughing. I have a friend like that where we just, we'd be sitting there and we'd make a joke at the other one's expense and then they'd quit back and then back and forth. And then we just start laughing. We couldn't stop laughing because it was so, uh, there was no sense. Well, if the person had brought it up, wait a minute, you know I'm a GBC? <laughs> so how are you talking about you're a householder, I'm a sannyasi how are you talking to me like this then the whole thing is ruined so there's a way in which Krishna suppresses all this sense of opulence so that he can have that loving relationship the voice and it's not a, a mechanical suppression it's very natural when we want to become more intimate with someone we remove the, the various ways in which uh, our intimate um, relationship is, is obstructed. It, it, it feels uh, much more natural just to be on an equal level. And this is the point uh, Kaviraj Goswami brings out at the beginning of the Chaitanya Charamrita that when uh, the damsels in Vrindavan 
criticize Krishna. There's this, there's a state of mind, man, where when Krishna comes to see them, is like, Lalita Vishaka say about Radharani, she doesn't want to see you. Go. Get out of here. And, and Krishna relishes that. He said, more than the reverent hymns of the Vedas. And so in that reverence, there's a sense of distance. So Krishna suppresses it quite naturally so that he can be more intimate with the, the devotees. And this is an idea that's, that's, that's prevalent in Vrindavan. And even when it comes out sometimes, because Krishna is God, then again, just as when Mother Yashoda saw within Krishna's mouth when looking to verify whether or not his friends and even Balaram's statement was true that he ate dirt. And he said, I did not. They're lying. And he said, well, let's take a look. Open up your mouth. And he opened his mouth. And then she saw herself holding Krishna on her lap. And then within that, there were an infinite number of Yashodas holding Krishna on her lap. Then she saw the energies of the universe. Said, okay, close your mouth. It's okay. Let's, let's not get into it now. And Krishna then just toying with her, just you know, showed his opulence and then retracted it again. So we can go back to the relationship he has with the Ashoda. Yes, Prabhu. Thank you. Thank you for your discourse this morning. Um, I have a question in regards to the, the four realms that you were talking about. Uh, and in particular, you, you said, have, have a walk through Belhari and you'll see what I'm talking about. Are those realms uh, exclusively physical locations, or are they at a state of awareness? And just, just to give you some context of my question, I walked through, walked through London a couple of times in the last week. On one occasion, I saw yeah, some, some quite disturbing things, which I wasn't accustomed to. Um, but on another occasion, I just saw nothing but, you know, divine majesty. Uh, and when you started talking about the realms, it made me think, are those realms actual places or are those a state of perception that we view this current reality through? Well, as the ancient Greek philosopher Epictetus once said, that we don't see the world the way it is, we see the world the way we are. And there's indication of this also in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Narayana Paraksarve Nakutashchana Bhipiti Swarga Pavarga Narakishu Apituliyarta Darshana. Tuli means equal. So how do the Vaishnavas or those in the highest consciousness see heaven and hell? The two uh, most distinctive uh, the, the, the most distinctive of comparisons we often make just in general. There's heaven and then there's hell. So they see it equally. Why? Because they're pure devotees and they see everything as, a, as an opportunity to serve Krishna. And therefore, the, there is a, a way in which devotees aren't affected by the, these realms because everywhere their purpose is the same. And at the same time, there are descriptions of various realms within the universe. This takes place in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in which uh, Shukadeva is describing the gradations, Ombur, Bhuvaswa. There are various ways in which the, the universe is designated. And each realm is 
defined by the consciousness of the resonance there. And also by the sound vibration that's there. We can notice, as you, you said, if you, if you go out in the world and then see how this all works, you might note that when we go into uh, a realm where we might find it disturbing and then start up a Harinam Sankirtan, there's a protective bubble. Have you ever had this experience? I was in Mexico. I think it's called Guanajuato. Guanajuato. We went to Guanajuato and we had a Harinam Sankirtan and book distribution extravaganza. And that means we had tables set up, there were big speakers and a huge plaza to work on uh, where we were distributing books. And then I noticed as we were walking around offering transit literatures, uh, people just took them automatically. We didn't even have to say anything. You just had to walk around and they take them. And then all of a sudden the Harinam stopped and then everyone became mean and ferocious. <laughs> and I thought, what happened here? It's like the holy name stopped and therefore our protective bubble ended. It was palpable. And there's a way in which each realm is defined by the sound vibration there because after all, sound carries consciousness in the way that people are situated in their own hearts. As Pritumara said, if somebody's pure in heart when they speak, it touches Krishna's lotus feet, it mixes with saffron particles. And what we hear elevates us because it's sound vibration mixed with saffron mercy particles. Whereas when somebody else who's envious speaks, then we, we get that also. So there, there definitely are different realms. And one of the ways that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, gave us to improve the world was to transform the vibration all over the world. And people want to know, like, how do I transform the realm I live in? And the answer is through the uh, Harinam Sankirtan, which is the way that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu brought the avatar from the spiritual world and distributed him everywhere. And now we're almost done. Yes, Prabhu. Oh, I'm sorry. I promised you. Okay, one, two. Go ahead. I keep, I forgot to look over there and you've had your hand up for a few minutes and then we'll come to Vishwambar for the close and I'll keep my answers short because we have free gifts for everyone. You get a parting gift today. I have My question is like when we read the Bhagavad Gita and he's traveling, he meets varieties of individuals and varieties of consciousness. And then he still very, of course, he's Krishna, but he manages to present Krishna and give them that attraction to Krishna. And likewise, we we read the same with Shri Prabhupada as well. So. My question was like thinking that when we are out and about sharing Krishna consciousness with others and meeting these varieties of individuals and consciousness, then what what is that one key lesson that we can take from their lives that should keep us going? No, we have to we have to love them. You have to love the people. And when you go out you have to express how how much you appreciate them and you love them and then they'll love you back. Don't be afraid to haul off and like people. They're, they're just, you know, they're souls like us, and then there are all kinds of uh, troubled situations. And if we go out there and, and we say, these are my people, as Krishna says in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, 
that uh, the highest yogi is the one who can empathize with others and feel that, yeah, I'm just like them. I'm going through various ups and downs. They're going through their souls. They have a long history. It goes back time immemorial. And I have a similar history. I'm just fortunate because somebody helped me out. So let me embrace these people. Of course, Bhagavatam says, don't embrace those who are envious. We should be Ishvare Taradineshu, Balisheshu, Dusatsucha, Prema Maitri, Kupopiksha, Yakroti Samadhyama. We should distinguish. But when we meet people that are a little bit open, we should fully take them into our hearts. And then we'll feel the same kind of uh, enthusiasm that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had when he moved about. And he saw everyone, everywhere, even the animals, as candidates for joining the Sankirtan movement. And people will love you for it. And the last point goes to Vishwamar Prabhu. I have only three minutes left and I still have to give out some gifts and make a quick announcement. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. It's interesting point that Vishwamar uh, Maharaj brought up and you gave a good answer. You know, gratitude. I've always felt deeply behind the gratitude there is love. Because without love there is no gratitude. Sometimes, not sometimes, very often we see what we do to each other that's forget about, you know, this material world between ordinary people, but even in our society, <coughs> there are devotees, they break their back, you know, serving the cause, Shiva Prabhupada. And, um, you know, they, instead of showing gratitude, you know, because there is no love. You know, we try to pull them down or compete with them, especially those of similar kind of service. I see a lot of that. Now, in retrospect, I was thinking, it's a good point you said, you know, when it comes to other living entities, there are complications, because everyone has different opinion. That's fine. I don't have that problem with my cat. You know, I feed him every day. And he's grateful. Uh, I don't have any complication with my cat. So I was thinking, it's, are the animals, you know, uh, like uh, it's a concept of innocence, or it's because they're a bit more advanced? <laughs> 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 I, I just, I, I never had a, I never had an argument. Yeah, I'm grateful for you, for your service. I feel you have nothing to prove. You've already proved yourself for many decades of service. And these incidental cases in which we feel some kind of competition amongst devotees, we needn't worry so much because Krishna knows everything and is helping us position ourselves, even Madhavendra Puri, when he knew he was going to get some 
compliment and some fame, he ran away from it because he didn't want it. But at the same time, there's a way in which Krishna rectifies everything in the end. And if we take a sincere approach and just say, I'll do what I can with what I have right now, and I'll appreciate all devotees, and let things line up according to Krishna's arrangement, then we can be satisfied even amidst the fact that some people don't appreciate it as much as we want. And the minute that we think of, why aren't I getting enough? I'm not saying you're thinking like that, but I'm just saying as soon as I think like that, then I feel dissatisfied. And if I change that and I think, how can I be of more service to the devotees and be more grateful to them and start giving that to others, then everything expands. There's a lot more to be said about that, but I'm not going to say it now, except for thank you for all that you've done, that you're doing now, and for the person you are. Grateful to you. This is just a public service announcement at the end uh, that we have an opportunity to work together all over the world. The uniting feature of our Sankirtan movement is we have seven purposes of ISKCON, and one of them that's primary is to distribute Srimad Bhagavatam to everybody in the world. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, how does that sound? As in, just a concept. Okay, so maybe we can work with that. And here we have the mighty UK Yatra, and I really feel it here. This is such a glorious place with all of you that you can make a showing to the world that will astound people's minds for the distribution of Srimad Bhagavatam. To be even more brief or to the point, we have uh, right now a, a goal worldwide to distribute by 2026, we have the capacity to distribute, and we do distribute, at least 100,000 sets of Srimad Bhagavatams. That is everyone combined. We started five years ago at 7,000. It was 7,000, 7,000, and then the, the great dark pandemic came whenever I initially said, maybe we'll just take three months off because it'll be over soon, and why even try right now? But devotees turned it around and said, no, let's try even harder while we're being blocked out of our normal avenues. And they exceeded the goal that year of 10,000, and they came to 25,000. And then after that, we did 35,000. And last year, we did 45,880 sets of Bhagavatams. This year, the goal is 55,000 sets, which is a 23% increase from last year. And if we continue that trend to 2026, then... We will have a big celebration afterwards and set new goals for having distributed at least 100,000 sets of Srimad Bhagavatams in 2026. Is that okay? Actually, it's better than okay. It's a great idea. So please uh, commit to this. I'm saying on an individual basis. Don't worry about the group. Just individually uh, take a stake in it. And a stake means that you commit to distributing at least one set of Srimad Bhagavatams. Something more than zero and not less than one. And if you do that, you'll notice that your life will change starting with you won't be able to sleep tonight. So why did I say that? Now I'm disturbed. I have to do this. And that's where we're going to make the advancement 
in devotional service. So I have these uh, wristbands. They've been offered to um, Gorni Tai, who wore them personally, and now we're distributing their prasadam. And it says, join the surge, which is going on right now. This year is important because we have to make it to 55,000. I'd appreciate it if the UK Yatra would do at least half of that. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Right? Okay. And uh, 100K in 2026. So I have these prasadam wristbands for you. If you wear them and you also make a, a vow, or at least be an advocate, walk around and tell everyone, this is a good idea. I think we should do this. Can you all at least do that? Then we'll, we'll grow here in the UK in a way we've never seen before. Dear Srila Prabhupada, dear Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Sri Radha Shri Shri Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman, Shri Shri London Ishwara, Jagannath Baladev Sivaja, if you so desire, please empower our UK Yatra to excel in distributing Srimad Bhagavatam sets for Bhadra Purnima. And please let us join together for this great cause. Forget all our differences and come together as one in gratitude for promoting the highest rasa, which is in Vrindavan, and to have goodwill towards everyone and embrace the people of the world by giving them the highest knowledge. Om Tat Sat. Everyone agrees with this prayer in whole or in part. Please unmute and say Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Not to the Armarman, 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 not to the Armarman.